hello, everybody. I'm Peggy Olson, and I'm here with the Mark Seiden, with Mark Seiden Real Estate Team, turning goals into reality. Um, we have a great topic today. It is about foreclosures and short sales. So I'm so excited, Mark, that you're going to teach us all the ways of the world, first off, and what we need to know about foreclosures and short sales. So hello. So hello there. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to this podcast, how is everybody? We so, are so good. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about something that honestly, most people really have not spoken about probably for the last anywhere between 18 months and probably almost 30 months, like in almost two years plus. And the reason is, is because there's been a moratorium on uh, if those who are paying rent don't have to pay rent, those who are paying mortgage and property taxes don't have to pay the mortgage or property taxes. Therefore, short sales and foreclosures have pretty much, you know, been almost, almost, I would say almost zero. But what a lot of us are pretty much feeling uh, these days is that now the moratorium has been lifted federally um, and locally, no matter, you know, depending on where you are in the world, or in the United States, uh, there may or may not be some local moratorium still in effect or not. But what's really going to be coming down the pike is that there are going to be a lot of people who have not paid their mortgage in or taxes um, for years. Um, and the banks at one point in time are now going to start going after their lost monies. Now, here's an interesting detail that no one on the planet knows the answer to yet. What is the federal government going to provide to either the banks or the general public that if the general public fit a certain criteria as to why they did not pay their mortgage and taxes, you know, who's going to, lack of a better expression, bail them out? Now, that could be the government just pay, paying the banks off, which means they don't go after a certain group of the public, or that's paying the public so the public can pay the bank. This really hasn't been discussed yet, shown yet. I haven't seen anything from the governments yet. I would tell you, you know, others may know more than me, but I'm kind of putting my hands up in the air going, I, I, I don't know what's coming down the pike. But the only thing that I do know that's going to be coming down the pike is that the banks don't do well not getting paid for not getting mortgage payments for, let's say, around two years. And in addition to that, if I have to make up a statistic, I'd say 95% of the time, those banks are actually paying the property taxes of those properties to make sure that the governments don't, you know, uh, uh, take over those houses instead of the banks. So not only are the banks out their mortgage payments, if the taxes were not already included in the mortgage payments, the banks have probably been paying the property taxes in addition. So the banks are out a lot of cash. Um, and they just don't sit on that and go, eh, who cares, whatever, you know, let's just go with the flow. So at some point in time, letters are going to go out and really not very nice phone calls are start going to go out to homeowners. Now, throughout this entire co conversation that I've started, I have not really mentioned not paying rent. And the reason is, is because not paying rent really has nothing to do with mortgages and taxes. So what's going to happen with that is a whole different conversation. And again, I also think that's the big unknown because I haven't seen anything coming out with 
bailouts or plans or programs for the government either. But I have a question. I can't really talk about rentals. Yeah. So on the foreclosure side, what's mm -hmm. the cycle? Like, do we, do you know, have any idea like from how, how, what's the period of the time frame as to when the banks say, okay, we got to put you in a foreclosure because you haven't paid your mortgage. Is it like you mentioned years because with our pandemic, you know, that has applied towards obviously everything with the rent delay mortgage. So what's, what your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, that happens to be the question of the day. Yeah. So let's go pre pandemic because no one's going to be able to answer that question to you post-pandemic. So pre-pandemic, what would basically happen is if someone didn't make their payment, uh, usually their second payment, uh, sometimes it's even your first payment, but after your second payment, you'll start getting phone calls and letters from the bank. And after three non-payments, you'll probably get some harsh phone calls from the bank saying, you promised, you said you're going to do this, and they're really not very nice about it. Um, and then you really start getting mail that basically says that if you don't not just make your payments, but make up for your past payments, which includes now additional finance charges and additional penalties, um, that they're going to start the foreclosure process. Now, what people don't understand about the word foreclosure is that foreclosure, if I may, is like pregnancy. So what happens is if you don't pay for three or four months, and again, this is pre-pandemic, yeah. The bank will start the foreclosure process and they will write you a letter and basically say they've started the foreclosure process, which means you're in foreclosure per se. However, you're not foreclosed upon until the bank legally takes your deed back from you. And if the bank and the owner fight about it, I've seen it as short as two years. I've seen it as long as five or six years. There really is no blanket time frame because it depends on how much the buyer wants to fight it, um, who has the loan, how many loans on it, how many times has the bank sold the loan. So you might have gone into a closing with Chase um, and Chase actually probably even sold the loan before you even closed on it. So now somebody else owns the loan and then that goes got sold to somebody else, which is called mortgage-backed securities. So all these loans are being sold. Well, when they sold the loan, did all the proper paperwork go from one bank to the other when they sold the loan? Or did someone lose part of the paperwork? Uh, uh, you know, did banks, you know, go under? So now that paperwork's missing. So there is no black or white answer to that. So how long does the foreclosure process take? Well, we know that when humans are pregnant, it's about nine months but it's not exactly nine months. So Got how it. long is the bank foreclosure process? I don't know, one year, two years, three years, four years, five years, eight years, uh, who knows? There's so many things that can happen. Yeah, there's so go. many variables involved. And that and was pre-pandemic. Like you like said, so good point, like we can't determine today. No, that's pre-pandemic. Yeah, now, okay. I don't know if you wanna call this during pandemic or post-pandemic, and the reason why I'm calling it post is not that the pandemic is over, it's just that the moratorium part of the pandemic is over. So that's the only reason why I'm calling it post. So post moratorium, how long is it gonna take with, with banks sending out letters, 
now, which means now things are going to be sent to the courts. What are the courts going to do with it? Are people waiting for some sort of government program bailout? I have no freaking idea. And if anybody comes to someone and says, no, I, I know exactly what's going to happen, I'm saying, yeah, I don't think so. Because there hasn't been anything that's come out yet. So, Peggy, uh, I have no idea. All I know is it's coming. It's coming. So yeah. here's the schnizzle, as I call it. Now when the general public starts getting these letters, there are going to be some people that say, you know, I know I'm getting the letters. Um, I don't like the letters. They're making me feel bad. But I'm going to stay here as long as I can stay. And I'm going to wait and see what happens. And people have a right to do that. Then there's going to be others that say, I can't live this way. I can't live this way that every month or twice a month I'm getting nastier and nastier and nastier uh, phone calls from lenders. I don't like um, these letters from the banks. I don't like that I've been told that, you know, my house is going to be foreclosed on me, that I'm, that I'm technically in a foreclosure process, even though I'm not foreclosed upon. They just, you know, there are many people that just don't want to handle or can't handle that kind of stress because it hurts them personally and emotionally. And those are the people that may start attempting to sell their house before there's any program. Now, here's an interesting um, twist. The twist is, depending on how much someone owes on their mortgage, plus any unpaid mortgage payments they haven't made, plus any unpaid property taxes that may be in addition to that if the taxes weren't already included in the mortgage payment, plus additional penalties, penalties and interest, how much is fully owed versus how much is the home worth? Now, in today's market, even if someone has not paid for two years, there's a possibility that their home could still be worth more than all those items added up together because okay. the market has gone yeah, up. Yeah, I was going to so ask that question. Like, you don't pay, but then when you're ready to sell or the, you know, the value of the home, because of our situation today, you still... Yeah, so for, so for example, let's... End maybe, but yeah. Right, so what happens is, and you never know, one has to do the numbers. So sure. let's say pre-pandemic, someone owned 350. And it doesn't make a difference if it's 150, 350, 750, or 2 million three or more. It doesn't make a difference. So for example, I'm just going to say 350. So let's say you owe 350. And over two years of non-payments of uh, mortgage payments and uh, taxes, and be, by the way, maybe even... Uh, homeowner's insurance, if that's what's been included in your uh, mortgage payment, um, and penalties and interest. So let's say that 350 has ballooned to uh, four and a quarter. That's a really big number, $75,000. But we're just taking, you know, examples. So four and a quarter. And then to sell the home for four and a quarter, they may cost you 24, 25 grand between or within, you know, commissions and transfer tax and attorney fees and whatever else, right? So now let's, let's just make a round number of 450. So you owed 350 pre-pandemic. With everything else you haven't paid, plus all the expenses to sell, you went from 350 to now you owe 450 as a break even. If your house is worth 475 and you can get 475 today, you can sell your house today. You'll pay 450 out of closing. Even though it used to be three fifty, you'll pay four fifty out of closing. Right. You walk away with twenty five thousand dollars in your pocket. 
there is no short sale. Right. Because here's the definition of a short sale. The definition of a short sale is that the market value, whatever you can get for the house, is less than how much you owe plus how much it would cost you to sell it. People forget the second part. So if the transaction um, cash flow to sell a house is 5 or 6%, and I didn't say that's commission. I'm saying that's commissions, transfer taxes, attorney fees, if you owed any past water bills, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you may still owe, right? So if your transaction cash flow is 5 or 6% above and beyond what you owe, that's technically your break even. If you can sell your house for that amount or more, it, there is no short sale, period, end of statement. You're just writing a larger check at closing than right. you thought you would have to, and oh my God, it may be, I didn't say it's not painful. I'm not saying it's not shocking, but it's not a short sale. Short sale, again, means the price that you get for your house is less than two factors added together. The price of the house is less than what you owe to the lender, including all those back things that are unpaid, plus all your transaction cash flow that you would need to sell the home. Okay. If you can't get that much as the market, now it is a short sale. And I will tell you right now, from everybody that I've been talking to, some things I've been reading, some things I've been listening to, the banks are very open for people right now to do short sales, even though it's not necessarily forced upon them at this point in time. Because there's a lot of banks that would like to start um, cleaning up some of their bad debt. Sure. It would just be voluntary because the owner would want to do so. But if you have a really good agent with a team that has a good, you know, attorney that really knows short sales and so on and so forth. And I used to do a lot of short sales, you know, in 15, 16, 17, 18, and even through 19. Um, it really pretty much stopped at the end of 19, the beginning of 20. Um, but if you really have a good short sale team, you could do very well, get out from under, you know, not get any mail, not get any phone calls and find a way to reestablish your life living in a new location where you, you uh, don't have anything on your credit that you're not making payments. That's a wonderful way to live emotionally and financially. Yes. For those who know they haven't paid, there's almost a get out of jail free card now that if you voluntarily sell and maybe it isn't a short sale or maybe it is a short sale, the banks, from what I've been hearing, are pretty open to going down that route because they know they're going to have a tough time with all those letters and foreclosures. Later on, right. right. So it's encouraging people, be smart now. Be smart now. Be because smart now. if you right. can be kind of the cream on, on, matter of fact, it's not even the cream. If you can be part of the crust that's on top of the cream, that's on top <laughs> of the milk, right? If you it's can the be that little teeny part. little layer, you may get away with um, you know, a lot of leniency to get things done through the short sale process because anybody who's volunteering to do something yeah. with the banks right now, you know, most of what I've heard from the banks or credit unions are very open to that. Now, okay. I can't promise anybody that 100% of the lenders, that 100% of the credit unions, and 100% of everything on your credit or why you haven't paid or your financial situation they'll say, you know, no problem with a short sale. There is a process. Mark Seiden guarantees nothing. 
And the reason why I don't guarantee it is I can't read the minds of all these letter lenders and credit units and their policies and procedures and whoever's in charge of all that assets and debt at any moment in time. So I'm just kind of giving a generalization from what I've been, you know, hearing and seeing, you know, in the general marketplace. But I've already gotten calls about starting this process and I'm already starting this process with um, a client or two okay. without anything really, without them even getting a letter or a phone call yet. Right. Because they because, know, like I said, they're taking the, the smart steps forward to be like this. I mean, here's the thing. Logically people know they're in this situation. Correct. So it's just out of sight, out of mind. No one's saying anything yet, but Correct. I know it's coming. I need to be smart about this. I need to act on it now. Right. Which is, which is what we hope most people would do, right? You know, well, I, I, listen, you hope it's not going to happen that way. And, and it's people's uh, houses. Course. So yeah. people are, you know, there are going to be some people that's like, look, I don't find a way out. This is where I raised my, you know, my family, my kids, my parents, you know, our, my, my first home without having, you know, just whatever it may be, whatever their personal situation is, you know, they'll do everything they can do to stay. And oh, that's, yeah. they're right. And that's fine. And if that's what's best for them, that's what that, what that person will do. You right. know, eventually it's going to come down to some sort of end result, but that could be years. But for those who would be ready, willing, and able to emotionally, financially go down um, this road, this is actually a really great way to do it. It's almost like knowing something on the inside, you know, of, of an inside investment kind of thing, but it's legal as opposed to insider trading is extremely illegal. <laughs> but at this point in time, if, if someone's ready to do this, it's a good time to do it. But I will tell you flat out, not all agents really know how to do this well. So there's a lot of people out there say, yeah, I could do your short sale. All right, well, that's great. That's like saying every attorney knows how to do mergers and acquisitions for a big company, for a big corporation. Well, that's not true. If someone is a really phenomenal divorce attorney, which has the same license in the same degree as someone who's phenomenal in, you know, large corporate mergers and acquisitions, just because they're licensed to do it doesn't mean they're the best person to do it. So there's a lot of agents out there that are licensed to do real estate, which means they can do short sales, but that doesn't mean they're the right person for the job. Right. So there's a few of us out there that really have done this and done this well. We have a team of attorneys that speak bank that know how to talk short sale. And again, no shot on any attorneys, but there's a lot of great real estate attorneys out there, but they don't really speak bank for short sale. And it is a language. It, it just is. Banks like to be spoken to in a certain financial way and wants paperwork a certain financial way because banks only do things one way, their way. Their and way. they only know one way. They're not flexible on process. So if one really speaks their language, understands their language, gives them things to their language, you have a much better success. Do you know what I call that, Peggy? What? I call that basically having a very successful relationship. If you really know how to communicate correctly to the one that's your significant other, you'll have a really great relationship. But just because you're in a relationship, if you don't communicate well together, it's just not pretty. And things that you want to happen don't happen. 
And what I tell everybody when you own a home, you have a relationship with your lender that right now is not a great one because you haven't made payments for a while. But there are ways with certain language and process and negotiation and tone that you can really salvage that relationship, get out of that relationship where everybody is hugging and saying thank you and be more than happy to meet at a party later and say, hey, how's it going? But you have to That is a great way of, like, again, articulating it, but in the way that it makes it resonate. I think people can resonate with that. Like, you got to speak lender and you you have to understand. You got to speak lender and you got to communicate in every, you know, and nobody likes conflict, right? right? We, no one wants to face like, oh God, here, here we go, going into the room, having this conversation. Yeah. But we have to have it. And you just made a really, really good point. Like, you'd be surprised. You just open up that, that conversation and to your lender and you might just be surprised of what they can do to help you out. Right, exactly. And there are ways to do it where, where what's really great which a lot of people don't understand is that when you do a short sale, um, there's nothing that goes on anybody's credit report that's a short sale. So there is no quote unquote red flag on on anybody's short sale. When one is foreclosed upon, I don't mean go through the foreclosure process. Remember that's pregnancy. So foreclosure doesn't happen until the baby is delivered. So again, when you're, you know, pregnant, I'm not saying there's no baby. I'm not getting into the whole Roe versus yeah, Wade. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> what I'm saying is there's either baby on the outside that's breathing or there's no baby on the outside that's breathing. So you're either pregnant or you have a child that you have to change their diaper. It's one or the other, right? So you may be in the foreclosure process, which means you're in the pregnancy mode, but you haven't delivered the baby yet. So you're not foreclosed upon. You're just in the process. But once you're foreclosed upon, that deed is no longer in your name that is stamped on your credit. You are foreclosed upon. And a lot of cash for keys, when people volunteer their house, they say, I'm not gonna fight with you. Here are my keys, let's just do it really fast. Yeah, if it's not done correctly, that's a foreclosure on your credit. You just did it faster and nicer, it's still stamped the same way. Now, there are ways things can be negotiated around that. It's not quite as black and white as I'm doing it, but it has to be done by people who really know what they're doing. So the great thing about short sale is, there's no negative stamp. Once you close in that home, you're done. And that's the great thing about short close, great thing about short sales, which is much better than a foreclosure or even bankruptcy. Because once you go bankrupt to avoid, you know, going through everything you wanna go through or foreclosure, you are married to that on your credit. for years, years. And that hurts everything. It doesn't just hurt you wanting to buy another house. Insurance companies, look at your credit to see what your insurance rate is going to be on everything. Health, car, anything else you probably want to buy. If you want to buy a car, it affects your credit. Whatever Whatever you want to do, you want to get a little credit card from, you know, a gas company. They look at your credit. Everything is credit-based. Yes. And the best way to protect one's credit, believe it or not, if you can't sell one's home above what is owed plus transaction cash flow to sell it, 
If you can do that, that's great. But if you can't, the best get out of jail free card is a short sale. And do you know this what that costs? I mean, this is something I never personally knew very much about, but, and I think maybe a lot of your audience probably doesn't either, but this is such great information. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a little butter on this popcorn. You ready? Okay, I'm ready for it. Guess who pays the real estate commission on Ooh, the short sale? Who? Okay, that's a, bank. Good, that's a really good question. I don't know. The bank. Guess who, pay, guess who pays a reasonable, reasonable seller's attorney's fee to sell the house through the short sale? The bank. Yes, you're a quick study. Guess who pays <laughs> New York bank. State transfer tax for the seller? The bank. Wow, you're three for three. You get one set of Ginzu knives. You just won. Thank so you. what happens is, is that, and the reason why the banks pay that in a short sale is because the banks consider that what's called normal transaction. Because what happens is if the bank takes the house over in a foreclosure, they don't want the house. So what happens is they have to now give it to another part of the department, the asset management department. Then the asset management department has to sell the house. Well, guess who they hire to sell the house? Real estate agent. Real estate agent. Guess what they have to pay? Commissions to a real estate agent. And when they sell the house, guess what they have to pay? Transfer tax. So the banks consider this normal expenses to do a real estate transaction. So as long as there's normal expenses for the short sale real estate transaction, the banks absorb all those expenses on the shortage they're ready, willing, and able to pay that. The seller or owner does not pay those fees. Got it. Interesting. Yep. Well, do you have any last minute advice for anybody out there or comments? I'm yeah, sure so I'd say, look, it's, time, it's now time to be introspective. Yeah. It's now really time to say, okay, where do I really want to go? What do I really yeah. want to do? Uh, with the place that I live, if I have not been making payments for six months, a year, year and a half, two years, you know, uh, basically I say is, you know, what's your next step? What are you really prepared to do and not do? What are you really emotionally? And I would say most people, it's emotionally and financially. What are you really looking to do? Is this, is this a place that you really need to call home for a while? If it is, then fight the fight and see where it gets you. But if you don't really need to, this is really the time to kind of, you know, get the process done before everybody else starts doing it. It becomes really overwhelming, you know, and you could probably get things done a lot faster and a lot more friendly than waiting six months, a year, a year and a half, when now everybody is going to be attempting to do it at the same time. And this, and maybe the lenders get overwhelmed. Right. So there's time for a little perspective. And if you really want to know, can I sell without being a short sale, which is a possibility, Call Mark Side Real Estate Team, we'll let you know. And if you think you may be in a short sale situation or would like to discuss about being a short sale information, or you may be in a short sale situation, call Mark Side Real Estate and we'll, we'll help you with that. We have a whole questionnaire we do, you know, step by step by step, but not every real estate agent does this well. It is a niche program. And you really got, the agent really has to speak the language. Well, you are awesome. Oh, thank you. And we so appreciate every, all the great advice. And 
your years of doing what you do best, you can, you can tell, you know, I mean, obviously you're, you're one of a kind, Mark. So oh, I've been told that many times, sometimes in a good way. Sometimes I'm not too sure how they mean it, but I do appreciate it. <laughs> That's okay. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun and educational. So I can't wait for the next one. Can't wait. November. Just, November. There you go. Oh, fun, fun November, we call it. Absolutely. And everybody, uh, if you're uh, listening to this before, I think it's November 7th and 8th, don't forget uh, time, uh, the clocks change. I think it's the evening of November 7th, but someone can... Um, uh, correct me on that. So get ready for the time change. Time change. It's gonna it's get awesome. dark really early. <laughs> hey, have a great um, Halloween. Oh, thank you. You too. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks Peggy. Thanks.